Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly. Uh, brought to you every Wednesday at 7 p.m. as a free service of the OBR. My name is Barry McBride. I am publisher of the OBR, and I am not going to get cracked up by the comments in the chat room tonight. Uh, I am absolutely convinced I'm going to be super serious uh, this whole entire thing because uh, we have serious problems for the Browns that we need to talk about. And, of course, here to uh, talk about them and lend some intelligence to the program is the legendary beat writer, Mr. Freddie Greedham. How you doing, Fred? Good as you can be, covering a two-and-three team. Well, we've been uh, worse at this juncture in years past, uh, and we've been blown out in games in years past. And uh, that has not been the case this year. We've been coming oh so close. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Chargers game. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Patriots game. But mostly uh, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about the questions and comments that you have for us in the chat room. Uh, typically, as I do, uh, I brought in some questions and topics for Fred and I to talk about and some questions from uh, our Ask the Insiders Forum, but uh, we'll give your questions and comments priority uh, as uh, we really appreciate you being here with us live, and uh, let's go. Let's rock and roll. So the first thing I want to do is talk a little bit about the news uh, out of Berea today. Fred, obviously, you were there as you always are, uh, and we have an injury report uh, that we can go over today. And uh, I saw some things on here that uh, were a little bit concerning to me. Uh, we have Joel Batonio and Jatavian Clowney back on uh, the injury report is not participating. Uh, Amari Cooper just getting rest. I assume that's not an uh, issue. Uh, and Denzel Ward with a concussion. Well, we'll talk about Denzel Ward here in a little bit, but um, am I right to be concerned about Batonio and Clowney? Uh, not participating in practice, or are they getting some veteran rest? Well, you are such a worrywart mm -hmm. on Batonio. Batonio does not practice every Wednesday. He, That's just his thing. He, he has an elbow deal, which J.C. Treader, if you followed this, you know, he didn't practice at all every week. In the 2021 season, and he started every game except the COVID game against Green Bay, and he mm -hmm. played every snap. Um, I think Batonio has got to the point where he doesn't need to practice every Wednesday, so he doesn't. Yeah, he's listed as an elbow. Um, he's got it taped up. He plays every week. They'll they'll have him tomorrow, you know, probably. He'll be back at practice. So will um, Amari Cooper. He's obviously every Wednesday. You're going to see Jack Conklin probably not practice tomorrow. He doesn't practice on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. A lot of these guys don't practice. Clowney, I mean, they had him listed with three different appendages. You know, it's like elbow, shoulders, knees, and toes. You know, it's like the old kid song. Right. I think he had three things, ankle, elbow, and something else, but our ankle. Yeah. You know, he's a different story. He's just always injured. Yeah. Yeah. Always giving credit that he played last week. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't, I'm not too concerned. Ward is really the only one right now that I would consider, you know, questionable for the game. So let's let's talk about that uh, at this point. Did uh, was there any update on that uh, at all today from Stefanski about Ward status or just that he's in the protocol again? Yeah, as I put in my story today in my notes, um, not much update. Other, yeah, he is in the building, whatever that means. I don't know if there's a certain type of concussion that you aren't even allowed in the building. I don't know, but he's in the building. And that's all could be said. So 
it's the most mysterious injury there is. Nobody ever knows. And we don't mm -hmm. even know if it's the new protocol, the old protocol, you know, we don't know if he went out of the game because of the new protocol right? that just was put in, you know, Stefanski doesn't even answer that question that he doesn't know. He's unsure. <laughs> All right. It's hard to know. Yeah. Yeah. The mystery continues. Uh, what about Greedy Williams? Uh, as, you know, if Ward's not available, do, can we expect to see Greedy Williams play this week? Yeah, I believe so. I asked Stefanski that question today, and he said he was trending in that direction. To me, Ooh. that's about as definite as you get with Stefanski. Yeah. Um, Thomas Graham was waived this morning. He's a reserve cornerback to make room, you know, for somebody. And I presume it's Greedy Williams. You know, Denzel Ward being down, you'd think maybe you'd keep another cornerback, but right. um, they must either be optimistic about Ward or they just assume Greedy Williams, you know, can take that spot and it's an upgrade, which which I would assume it is. I mean, a guy that you brought in, bottom of the roster, did just played special teams so far. So, yeah, I say Greedy Williams will be – he's not on the roster yet. They had 21 days, same way with Deion Jones to activate him. Mm -hmm. But I, I would expect Greedy Williams will be activated. Yeah. Um, assuming Ward is not available, I mean, um, you know, talk is cheap on the forums, uh, you know, and on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of fans are sort of shrugging this off because Ward doesn't appear to be having – such a great season this year, uh, even though he's not having the best season. Um, do you still consider this to be sort of a major blow if uh, Ward isn't able to go? No. I, I mean, I just think this is par for the course. Mm -hmm. um, he misses about four games a year. You know, I I think this was his, was his, 18, his fifth season. I think right. he missed four games his first three years. I can't remember last year exactly. He might have played more last year because it was his contract year. But, um, no, he's he's just not durable in my opinion. He's slight. He's, he's you know, he's good at breaking up passes. Mm -hmm. But I think this is his third concussion. If I'm, I think he had two in his rookie year, if you remember. Yeah. You know, he – he had one, then he came back and he tried to tackle a 280 pound tight end with his head and he got another one. Um, it seemed like he had kind of got away and learned from that, but I don't even remember the other day, you know, when he got hurt, but he had a nice pass breakup on that fourth and two, but we see too many, you know, times when, you know, he's around the guy, but he's not making a play on him. So, I don't know. I think Emerson's playing well as a rookie. The Patriots are a run-dominated offense. Mm -hmm. They only throw when they have to. I mean, I think Zappi threw 17 times last week. So I think Greg Newsom might be the best corner right now on the team. And Emerson's playing well. And I think you yeah. got A.J. Green. You got Greedy Williams. I think, yeah, Ward, I think, is – obviously the best overall that they have because of his experience, but I don't think this is not the game that I'm worried about. I look at the wide receivers, Jacoby Myers, you know, mm -hmm. I guess he's their best, you know, but I'm not too concerned with them. Actually, they only list one wide receiver and they're starting. Oh, no. Okay. Nelson Aguilar. I know he missed practice today. So yeah, I think, I think they'll be all right in in that area. It's more concerning is the the backs coming out of the backfield. Last year they got burned on the screens and the short passes to the backs coming out of the backfield and obviously the run. Right, right. Uh, well, speaking of uh, the run defense, um, in, uh, the issues on the interior uh, defensive line, which we've been talking about here for quite a while, um, 
and uh, I've droned on and on about for seemingly months now, are very clearly out in the open. Uh, fingers are being pointed. Uh, there are issues with this defense giving up a large amount of running yards. Uh, and the Athletic this morning, if you read uh, that uh, publication, uh, referred to Joe Woods as a scapegoat for a defense with many problems. Uh, do you share this perspective that Woods is sort of being scapegoated right now? Or do you feel that Woods is more toward the center of the problem, Fred? I think it's a combination. I mean, we saw him play well last year. How do you slough off those final 11 games, you know, other than the Patriots game when they got blown out? That game was like a runaway train. Mm -hmm. I watched it with you. I remember that. Um, but seven of the last 11 games, they gave up 16 or less points. And other than that Patriot game, only one, they gave up 26. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so they, you know, unless they just, I don't think all those teams were, were garbage, you know, that they played right. in the final 11 games. So um, they did it. It just seems to be that they are resting on their laurels or something. And I also think that the, it's not coincidental to me that Anthony Walker went out after the Steelers game and the next two games, they can't stop the run. He was making a lot right. of tackles and Jacob Phillips or whoever they're putting in there isn't making the same plays. Now, I think in evaluation, the Browns, kind of under-evaluated Anthony Walker because they let him mm -hmm. walk in free agency. Yeah. They got him back on a one-year minimum type veteran contract. So they didn't have a high priority on him. And I think they were planning on Phillips being the starter. And so far, Phillips has not been the answer. So that's why they went out and got Deion Jones. I mean, you have to think, even though Jones's play has dropped off, maybe that he wasn't a pro bowler since his rookie year, that he's probably, you know, more heralded than Anthony Walker or Jacob Phillips. So if he could just step in and do the job that Walker was doing, I think that will help. I think, you know, he talked about a fresh start today. I talked about it in my story and uh, you know, hopefully that he, he feels reinvigorated to, to go out and, you know, and maybe have be the long-term answer for the Browns in the middle there. Right. Right. Well, they, they acquired Jones obviously uh, in that trade after the game, uh, which uh, looked like a team making a little bit of a desperation move, but uh, uh, timing aside, they got Dion Deion Jones and they also acquired defensive tackle uh, Tyler Davison. Uh, to help plug the run defense. And the speculation I've seen out there is that they're going to be quickly pressed into service. Um, how likely is it, in your opinion, that we'll see them as soon as Sunday, Fred? I think it's pretty likely. I mean, you know, defensive tackle, um, nose tackle, I think is really more what he is, is, you know, a, a, a guy that's eating up space and eating up blockers and the guys they've been putting in there haven't been doing that. They've been getting blown off the ball as, as our film guy, Jake is, is demonstrated. Um, I think it's overrated to some degree to know the playbook, especially when you played five, six years, just, okay, here's what you do. You see that guard and center in front of you blow right. them up, you know, you know, Stefanski was asked about him today and he was really coy, like thinking he's going to maybe, it almost seemed like he was trying to outsmart Belichick or something like not mm -hmm. let on that they're going to bring him up. He's like, well, we're, I mean, what he did, didn't we sign him to the practice squad? Um, well, yeah, we're always signing guys in the practice squad, taking a look and see here and there. Right. He didn't, I mean, he didn't even say, well, we're going to see what he looks like out on the field or anything. It was like, mm -hmm. oh, he's just a practice squad guy, I guess, you know. <laughs> I bet you he'll be elevated this week, just like Chester Rogers was just a mm -hmm. practice squad guy they brought in. Um, right. 
a lot of these guys, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It might, you know, Deion Jones plays more of the green dot role. And I don't know how, you know, unless you pass that off to John Johnson or somebody right. else, how do you put a guy that's practiced twice, you know, calling the plays? I mean, so I would think the same thing, though. Hey, they're going to, you know, go find the ball. He's played enough, you know, what, six years? If he, The biggest thing to me is that obviously he's healthy from the shoulder surgery. The biggest thing to me would be his physical shape. I mean, right. today's really the first day of practice. You can only be on the side lifting weights and running and stuff. And that's all he would have been allowed to do with Atlanta on injury reserve. So until he was designated for return, which was today, that's really his first practice. So yeah, that to me would make it more of a long shot just from, you know, it's a different type of getting in shape, you know, especially if you're the middle linebacker. But maybe he'll be active and they would have him, you know, go in for a few plays or something because – when you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Like I said, just with the defensive tackle, I would think a middle linebacker, kind of the same thing. They're eating it up. You go find the ball carrier, especially when you're going to need to stop the run with Stevenson and those guys. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he's active. I mean, do you want to see another 250-yard rushing, you know, attempts by the opposition? You know, Bill Belichick is going to do that. He's going to yeah. run the ball. That one game last year, he ran the ball all but three plays in the whole game against the Bills. So I can see him doing that, especially, you know, with the quarterback situation he has. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the Patriots here in a second. Just one last question about Jones and Davison. Um, you know, uh, Jones was a pro bowl player, but that was a while back. Um they're not Pro Bowl players recently. They seem like middle-of-the-road guys to me. Uh, assuming that they get into the lineup, do you think that they're going to be sufficient to help the Browns withstand running attacks, you know, NFL-level running attacks? Uh, is this a sufficient answer, in your opinion, uh, or uh, are we going to have to wait and see? You know, I talked to Martin Emerson, the rookie cornerback, on Monday, and I – I really think he he had a pretty good grasp on it when we're talking about the run defense and being able to tackle and stop the run. He says, it's we all know how to do that. It's really will to and want to. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a big thing of it. You know, these guys have all played. We The same group played last year, and like I keep saying, they did it last year. Now, whether if they just don't have the hunger – you know, of a rookie brought up from the practice squad, you know, like that Caleb Huntley a couple weeks ago. Um, That's all I I can see is you got some high-priced guys in there. Miles Garrett, you know, coming off the injury, Jadavian Clowney, John Johnson, um, you know, the list goes on and on. Make up your mind and go make a play. Go tackle the ball carrier, you know. and Right. And the guys up front, the Malik Jackson and Malik McDowell, who they had in there last year, I don't think were that great. But obviously, we didn't see these type of problems last year. So I think a big thing is the guys that 
are supposed to be making the tackles like a Jacob Phillips now that he's in there for Walker is either over anxious, over pursuing same way with JOK and they're not under control and making the tackle. And, and obviously the guys interior there are getting blown off the ball. And so the backs have a full head of steam. John Johnson said today, they just need to get back to, to swarming to the ball. And I think that's what, you know, that's what they really need to do gang tackle. And, but, I, but ultimately I think it's just them making up their mind and go doing it. I mean, how can you say that it's any different from last year? The only thing different, because they got the same scheme and everything, is you don't have the two Maliks. Were they much better than all these guys they're running out there? Can't I don't imagine. think so. Yeah. I don't think so. So, you know, to me, it's want to, will to, or the scheme. Joe Woods has got them so confused that they don't know what they're doing. And by the time they figure it out, it's too late. So I, I I don't think that's the issue. I think run defense, basically what John Johnson said today is that sometimes, you know, you're, you're so drilled into stay in your gap, stay in your lane. But when you mm-hmm. see something going, you assume it's going to go there and you leave your lane and then they cut back right where you were supposed to be rather than not going and helping you leave your gap or you leave your lane. So, you know, I think some of that's happening. You know, I, I was totally surprised to see, you know, Miles Garrett, Taven Bryan, Jadavian Clowney back in there. And it didn't matter. They just, right. they just ran rampant off of them. But you yeah. look at that 70 yard play to Eckler that really propelled them was, Nobody was even touched the guy. I mean, I could not believe the hole from the press box. It was like he was untouched. There was nobody, you know, and I know Jake has talked about it. Sometimes they have Clowney and Garrett so far wide that it opens up inside. Maybe they should move Mm -hmm. them in tighter so there isn't as big a holes because, you know, those guys can make tackles. Right, right. Yeah, you know – They've got Stevenson coming up this week. Um, you know, a guy uh, who's gotten a little bit of notoriety uh, running for the Patriots. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I mean, they were talking about Caleb Huntley and Austin Eckler and all these sort of folks. And it's almost like the Browns weren't focused on the running game that much. And maybe this week they will be. The NFL is a weird game and it's a weird sport. And sometimes you get sort of the unexpected happening. And I'm sitting here trying to talk myself into thinking that they're going to stop Stevenson this week, um, even though all evidence points otherwise. Uh, So let's talk about the Patriots a little bit. Go ahead, Fred. Let me say one thing about the Chargers. You know, it wasn't – it's not – I mean, Austin Eckelar is like a Pro Bowl running back. And just just because they were ranked 32nd in the NFL – I don't think they really threw the ball or ran the ball. They threw the ball all the time. They they led the they went into that game, you know, number one in the NFL in passing. So they didn't worry about running the ball. And if you looked at the stats last week, you'd say, oh, they're just an average passing team. Well, they're a real mm-hmm. good passing team, but yeah. their stats didn't look that good because they ran the ball. So I really think they're it. balanced. And when it's all said and done, they're going to be, you know you know, more of the middle of the pack and in rushing, but at the top in the passing, they yeah. threw cause they were in high scoring shootout games. So they're always passing the ball and the Browns, you know, went in there trying to shut down the passing and the running just, they just took off like, like wild men. Yeah. They, they ran amok. And speaking of running amok, uh, 11 months ago, the Browns visited new England and uh, got their souls ripped out of them, uh, 45 to 7, as Bill Belichick diagnosed the defensive weaknesses of the Browns, and Mac Jones was incredibly efficient, uh, leading the Patriots on numerous long touchdown drives against a baffled Cleveland Browns defense. That's as depressing a game as I remember seeing last year. Uh, that was horrible. Um, when it comes to quarterback, 
of the Patriots. Um, have you heard anything uh, about all this fog that's around whether Mac Jones will play? Are you expecting him to play on Sunday? I mean, not really. I mean, I don't know how you get an ankle high ankle sprain. And some of the reporters back when it was injured, they were talking about surgery and this and that and, and all. And Belichick's, you know, started his charade on day to day or day by day. He said 12 times. They keep look at their injury list today. There's 11 guys on it and every one of them is limited, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now maybe, you know, they have a running back. Their starting running back ahead of Stevenson is, I think, a guy named Damian Harris. I think he injured his hamstring. Right. And I could swear there was a report saying that he was going to go to – he was possibly going to injure reserve. It was severe, and he was going to be out for quite some time. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that comes from, but they got him listed as limited today. You know, the Browns at least put did not practice. You know, right. I don't know if they – if those guys are suiting up and they're just sitting in a wheelchair or what, but they're all limited. And right. so I don't know. I almost think if Mac Jones, if Mac Jones plays, I would think that don't, that might even be a, you know, help the Browns. Cause you think they're going to run the ball anyway, even with the rookie or him, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't think he'd be very mobile, you know, no. like, <laughs> But I think that they did well enough last week that why would you risk, you know, um, throwing him back in there unless he's 100 percent, unless he was 100 percent today practicing or tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I don't know why he would play because Zappi can hand the ball off as well as Jones. That's what they're going to do. And once in a while, right. ask them to make a pass. Right. And. uh yeah, no sense running a hobbled guy out there uh, if all you have to do is hand the ball off. And uh, I'm sure Belichick has been uh, seeing with greedy eyes uh, what the teams have done against the Cleveland Browns for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I guess, Fred, is, is there anything which has fundamentally changed between the Browns' 2021 defense and their defense this year which would give me any confidence that the Patriots aren't going to run rampant again. Uh, do you see another blowout coming or do you think we're going to get a better defensive performance this year? Well, it can't be any worse in watching yeah. that game last year. If I remember right, you know, they didn't have Nick Chubb. Dearness Johnson played cause Hunt was out and they went right down the field on the first drive and I think took a seven, nothing lead. And then the Patriots scored 45 unanswered points. Right. Um, I remember Mayfield throwing a key interception that got returned and then it kind of avalanche from there. I think it was, you know, like 14, seven or something like that. And then sometimes in an NFL game, once it gets going, it's it's like a boulder going down the mountain. You can't stop it. Right. You know, you remember a few years ago, many years ago, I think it was Bud Carson's first game. Browns beat the Steelers 51 to nothing. That was like a – it just yeah. was like a volcano just kept erupting. And I think the Browns lost to them later in that year, you know. And it's like, no, I think it's – Belichick's going to do what he does. They're going to be – they're going to play really good special teams. They're going to play really good defense. This is going to be the best defensive team the Browns have faced, in my opinion, mm -hmm. um, since in, for Jacoby Brissett. Brissett is known by Belichick. He's going to know his weaknesses. He's going to force him to try to throw the ball, you know, into coverages that he doesn't want to or he's been turning the ball over, you know, those – uh, like, you know, it seems like that he always has been doing late in the game. Mm -hmm. He's only got three, but they're all in the final three minutes of the game. So they're going to try to force him to take away. You know, they're going to try to take away, obviously, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but mainly Nick Chubb. 
and and beat you with the pass. So, but if the Browns can't stop the running attack, it's not going to matter. That's mm-hmm. where, you know, again, you would think their pride would come in. They would buckle things down and figure out a way. They found every week how to play the game close and what drives everybody crazy is they've had the lead in all five games after three quarters and found a way to lose the game three times out of the five. So it's, it's all been on the defense. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. So Belichick's going to, going to make them make the defense, you know, stop them. If not, it could be another long day, but I have to think that the way the NFL, the ebbs and flows, you know, it's time for the Browns to get a game that maybe nobody expects them to. I mean, when you look at, in fairness, if you look at the schedule, I, I bet you most of our, you know, people joining us tonight or most fans in general, when you looked at the schedule game, and most of you, I bet you had the Chargers game as a loss. Um, they thought maybe they'd be three and one or four and one, but then right. when you played the Chargers, you're going to lose. And, right. you know, I think what's most frustrating is that most people or anybody watching says that game was there for the taking twice. The Chargers yep. gave it right back to the Browns. And then sure you literally threw the interception. You figured you wouldn't get the ball back. You get a big gift because the coach you know, isn't thinking in my opinion, gives them the ball back at midfield. You only got to get a little bit, 10, 11 yards or more. And you do on the first play. And then, then you, I don't know what you're doing with your play call, but you still have a chance to kick a field goal and you still lose. So, you know, it just, they found different ways to lose. As we saw a year with the guardians, they seem late in the games, even though they got a bunch of pretty much no-name guys, they find a way to win. And here you got the Browns, and they got veteran guys, high payroll, expected to win, and they're the opposite. They play well most of the game, but then find ways to lose right at the end of games. And, and you know, it, they're coming into serious uh, area where they could be eliminated you know, before they get their quarterback back. So, you know, that's why it's on them to find a way to win this week. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, this four game stretch, I feel like they need to be two and two. And if they only could win two, I would take the Ravens and the Bengals over, you know, these other two. Mm -hmm. But with that said, they're AFC games and it could very well come down to a tiebreaker and now you ha- you don't have the tiebreaker with the Chargers. If they're a wild card team and you're tied, you're out. Same thing right. now with the Patriots. So that's why it's important to win here. But if I could only win two, I would rather win the Ravens-Bengals. I don't know if you can, but you want to win the division. That's the quickest direct route to get to the playoffs. And if you won the Bengals and the Ravens, you'd be 3-0. and And then when you have your quarterback – is when you play the other three games. So right. who knows? They really yeah. need to turn it around this week and find a way to win. Yeah, they do, and the ball needs to bounce in the right way. It hasn't been bouncing in the Browns' direction uh, so far this season, but uh, they've done uh, more than their uh, their share to make sure that they've been on the losing end. I'm taking a little heat for worrying about uh, the Patriots coming in and destroying the Browns. Uh, our producer, Ian, uh, pointed out that the Patriots have gone from Josh McDaniels running their offense to Matt Patricia, and that's a very good point. And uh, Marcus Mustard points out that, uh, come on, you know, look at the quarterback they're throwing against us. You know, we got this. So I hope you guys are, are right, uh, absolutely. Um, and what we're going to do now is we're going to switch gears a little bit We're going to go to your questions in the chat room and from Ask the Insiders. If you've got questions, please feel free to pop them into the chat room, and uh, we will get to them in the second half of the show here um, uh, post-haste. So let's go to some of the questions uh, that we've got so far. This first one is from Hazardous Browns fan. He says, good evening. Are the Browns going to sign any 
players, other players besides a practice squad defensive lineman. I have no faith in the guys on the roster now. So Browns fans talking a lot about Indomitian and Sue <laughs> and Sheldon Richardson and these names that are relatively well-known. And we go out and sign a guy, Tyler Davison, to the practice squad. And I think they're going, you know, is that it? You know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a fizzle. Uh, what do you think, Fred? Uh, you think the Browns are still looking? Oh, I think they're looking, but yeah, I don't think you're going to get the bigger name guys. We don't know if they've reached out to, you know, Sheldon Richardson, Nadamika Sue. I mean, Brad says that I think from his sources that they haven't really heard from him. I just think they don't want to bring in somebody like that. Richardson to me would be to me a no brainer unless he just doesn't want to come back to Cleveland, maybe yeah. he's, he, maybe he has a price tag and I'm happy to retire. I got enough money unless I get 4 million or 5 million or whatever it is. I don't know those things. Um, but yeah, they do not, you know, and we've been hounding on this all off season. I do not know why they don't seem to value the interior defensive tackle you know, maybe the analytics people can explain right. it to me more, but they have not invested on that part. In the three years Andrew Barry's been here, they had Richardson under contract. If you remember last year, they let him go rather than to pay him yeah. the $11 million that he had. And they wanted to bring him back and they offered him, I don't know, four or five million, but he took less money to go to the Vikings. Um, than to come back to Cleveland. Vikings let him go after a year. He's still available. You talk about Nadamika Sue. You know, there's probably other guys out there, but mm -hmm. I just don't see them. You know, I would have, I'll put it this way. If they felt they needed them, they would have brought them in, I think, you know, in training camp. You know, why do you wait till the middle of the season when, you know, you got – the guys they brought in, Davison, Deion Jones, how many guys really make a big impact in the middle of a season? It seems like in football, it's not like baseball, a batter just, you know, a hitter gets in there and he just hits. A pitcher goes in and pitches. Football, it just takes you forever to get into the flow, it seems like. Yeah. You know, hopefully one of these guys will, but I just think you go with what you got. You know, you made those decisions thinking that, Jordan Elliott was the answer. Taven Bryan was the answer. Tommy Togiai, Perry and Winfrey. The th I was going back to, you let Richardson go. You brought in um, Andrew Billings on a one-year deal, and he got COVID or didn't play, sat out, and then he put on too much weight, so they let him go. Malik Jackson was a one-year, 32-year-old guy, uh, stopgap. And same thing, McDowell, they were hoping to, to get lightning in a bottle. They drafted Elliott in the third round. <coughs> and then the next year, they drafted Togiai in the fourth round. And then Winfrey in the fourth round. So they haven't made it a high priority to get an interior defensive tackle. Um, and so I just think, for whatever reason, they are what they are. And that's what they look at. Right, right. Hey, let's go to a question from TySox15. Uh, brings up, I, I think, what we're all dreading here, uh, the notion of a Mac Wilson homecoming. Uh, do you think Bill Belichick has taught him how to play linebacker in, at an NFL level? And uh, we need to be concerned about that? You know, I was just looking at his stats. He's ninth or 10th on the team. He's got 13 tackles. He actually is listed as a starting linebacker mm -hmm. ahead of name escapes me, a guy that I was just looking at, um, Raquan McMillan, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm a little surprised um, they didn't value him here with the Browns. And the Browns, you know, the guy they got for him, Chase Winovich, has not contributed. He's on injury reserve. 
And so he's going to be fired up for sure. I would think maybe he, he was, he was an over eager, very athletic linebacker. And maybe you mm-hmm. can use some of the, some of his tendencies against him. He, he had a tendency too to overrun, you know, the ball trying to make a play or whatever. So, right. Um, you know, good for him. Glad that he found a home and, uh, the Browns just didn't see him as a middle linebacker or, you know, that's why they, you know, they went and got JOK mm-hmm. and they felt that Sion Taki Taki was better in that role and Jacob Phillips and Anthony Walker. So um, he's going to have his chance. And, you know, how many times have we seen situations like that where a guy like Mac Wilson comes in and gets a pick six or a big sack? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, he's going to be wound up to do it. It's up to the Browns to neutralize it. There you go. There you go. Uh, Mac Wilson, though, uh, I got to say, he's got a hell of a Twitter game. His Twitter game is without peer in the NFL. He can get you all psyched up about what he's going to do this year. Hey, I've got a, 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 a comment here from Manimal1955. Also a question out of asking insiders on the very same subject. Uh, and that's whether the solution is to run the uh, 46 bear defense uh, and uh, co-star to slaughter and ask the insiders makes a strong case uh, what he thinks is a strong case that um, it could help the team out. Do you have any thoughts on that, Fred? Well, I've seen it, you know, I, I think the dolphins did something with Lamar Jackson, you know, like across there. I don't, I really don't see this staff is so, I don't know, they, they seem very slow to make changes. You know, everything they've done has been subtle and that seems to be like a kind of a, a really big, you know, mm-hmm. out of the box thinking. Yeah. And I just don't see them doing that, to be honest. I'm not saying it's not a mm-hmm. bad idea, but they're going to, we talk to these guys every day. They all say the same thing and you get the same results. Um, I think that it comes down to more than what I was saying. You got to give them the want, they got to have that instilled their own drive to do their job that, that want to, you know, and, and hopefully they've been embarrassed enough that they will respond. But, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, you know, all the ins and outs, you know, if that's the way to stop the running game, I'm all for it. If that's the way, because, you know, you're giving up, it's ironic. They're giving up 138.2 yards a game now and mm-hmm. the Patriots get 138 yards a game and the, the two teams prior and the, they weren't rushing that well. I mean, the Patriots right. are ninth in the NFL and both these teams are beating the Browns at their own game. I mean, the Browns are sitting now number one in the NFL and rushing 192 yards a game. Mm-hmm. And yet other teams are beating them at that game and, and winning games by yeah. running the ball. So right. Right. the defense, it's on them. I've said this over and over and over. Last year, I did this to the offense. The offense was the reason they were losing. They scored 20 points a game. And the defense was holding teams, you know, to 21-22. And they kept losing because the offense couldn't score points. Now you got an offense scoring 27 points a game, six or six most in the NFL a game. And yet your defense has given up, you know, 21 a game or or 25 mm-hmm. a game. And so that's totally where it lies. And until the defense <clears throat> gets their scheme tightened up and the players decide they want to be a good defense, we're going to just see more and more. Right. Right. Um, another comment from Manimal I want to highlight. Uh, he makes a reference to Jake Burns and some of the things he said uh, on the post game show last week. If you uh, wander past our, um, YouTube page, uh, which I just posted to the chat room. You can see a clip of uh, Jake talking about uh, his frustration with the team losing 
if you're interested in that. Uh, but he was very uh, uh, eloquent in his comments about that. And it was, it's again, it's a good clip because I don't say anything in it. Just like this show is better when Fred is talking and I am not. Um, by the way, if you are on YouTube, I uh, would appreciate if you would smash that like button. Uh, when you guys hit that like button, it helps us find new people who are probably unaware of the show uh, via the uh, YouTube algorithm. So uh, would appreciate it if you do that. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get a, a, a couple of behind the scenes questions. Marcus Mustard uh, asked a question I think that we're all interested in, uh, which is, you know, whether there's been any improvement in the Cleveland <laughs> Browns food in the press box or team facilities this year. Uh, and, and whether you've been you've been happy with that uh, as a professional uh, beat writer? Well, it depends on your definition. In Berea, they have a dietitian there now that must be in charge of all their meals. So it's good food, but it's healthier food. We don't get any desserts anymore. We used to get they bring out trays of big chocolate chip cookies and stuff like that. Yeah. And, now it's just fruits and berries and, you know, it's salads and I don't know. I don't even know what some of the stuff is. You know, these vegetable medleys, they usually have grilled chicken. It's good. It's it's good. We'll have that tomorrow on Thursdays. They give us, I think they bring down whatever they're serving to the 150 people in the Browns building. A lot of people don't know that they have a chef there and they have a staff and feeds them mm -hmm. every day, everybody. And on Thursdays they share it with us. So it's good. It's hot. It's good. at the stadium. It's, it's good. It's more to the old cakes and cookies and it's, it's healthier food, but then they have the side that you can get hot dogs and kraut and stuff like that. But I will make a big complaint. I don't know if they didn't have help or what, but it was very embarrassing on Sunday. Usually they bring it out at 11 o'clock and they didn't bring out the food till after it was almost 1230. I didn't eat because I was on pregame show and, mm -hmm. and then the yeah. game started. Um, but normally it's pretty good. I don't know what happened. It was kind of embarrassing because you had your LA media there and they didn't yeah. really, I mean, they had the salad out, but they didn't bring the main dish out for an hour and a half late. So I had a salad and a hot dog because the hot dog bar was there. But anyway, <laughs> that's enough of that stuff. So yeah, mixed reviews. I like the healthy stuff, but I don't like the healthy stuff. I kind of, Kind of like the cookies and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Manuel jumps in again and says that the food at the concession stands is terrible. Um, you know, I rather liked the old concession stands when I had was a season ticket holder. I liked the bratwurst that was there, and I liked the beer uh, at the concession stands. I didn't get much of anything else, just bratwurst and beer, and that worked for me uh, and uh, helped me increase That's me. Why to you're in such that. good shape. Exactly helped increase me to the size that I am today. Uh, made me the man I am today. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go to Red Leader 74. He asked, Fred, would you bring back OBJ? There's going to be quite a competition for OBJ. I'm not sure he'd be interested in coming back unless it looks like we're going to a Super Bowl. Um, I heard murmurs that the Bills might chase after him. Yeah, that's a scary thought, but if we had the, had the chance, would you bring him back, Fred? Right now, I would not. Um, I just think that too much drama. They got rid of a lot of the drama. I could be wrong. My opinion is, you know, not just on OBJ, but I do not think this, this regime as constituted would have made the trade for OBJ when they did. I don't think they would have necessarily made the trade for Jarvis Landry when they did. Um, right. They just don't seem to be wanting the ones, the guys that draw attention to themselves. Um, I made this observation. I don't, it's all anecdotal, but I cannot, most of the guys on this, and I'm not saying OBJ's or Landry weren't good guys. They were good mm -hmm. in the locker room. Players loved them, but 
most of these guys are quiet, introverted guys. I mean, I don't know if many of you have seen interviews with Donovan Peoples-Jones, with Nick Chubb, with Amari Cooper. I mean, the majority of the players on this team that have been coming in, they're very quiet, you know, and they're not very, you know, hey, look at me type guys. And I always felt like in the wide receiver area, you needed to have a little diva personality. Yeah. But Amari Cooper's kind of winning me over to maybe not needing that. Because if you talk to him in the locker room, I don't think you'd think he's really a number one receiver. He just doesn't carry himself like he's a big, a big time receiver. Right. Um, I don't disrespect that. Just, that's just what I've noticed, you know, with most of these guys, they're, they're quieter, you know, and I think they like that. And maybe, you know, does that have any correlation to the play? There's no killer instinct. No, you know, that type of approach. I don't know. I mean, you've seen them move away from guys that were like that, the drama. I mean, the quarterback from last year, I think that was part of the move and some of the receivers and so forth. But, right, you know, I think OBJ is going to kind of pick, you know, a Super Bowl contender where he's pretty sure that they're, they're, you know, like a Chiefs or a Bills or somebody like that that he knows is going to be probably in that final game or two. Right. But I saw uh, something today, him tweet saying – He wanted to go back to Rams, but they didn't offer him anything. And in the next sentence, it sounded like they must have offered him something because their offer wasn't, you know, what I'm worth. You know, I'm like, okay, well, that's an offer then. (laughs) Well, I'm sure OBJ has a high appraisal of his own worth and uh, that the Browns with their new tagline of tough, smart, and introverted uh, are going to do very, very well. Uh, as things go on, let's go to a question from Tysock15. This is an interesting one. Um, John Johnson said Kevin Stefanski told him after the personal foul penalty that he can't play for the Browns if he makes plays like that. Is that really an attempt to instill consequences or is that an empty threat? You have any thoughts on that, Fred? Well, I read that. I didn't hear him say it. He talked to one of the other reporters after the game. My inference would be something like you saying to Ian, you know, after when he was a kid and did something wrong, Ian, you can't be part of the family, you know, doing that. Mm -hmm. Meaning the McBrides don't do that. We don't tell, you know, or me saying that to my son. I'm not disowning my son. You know, right. I'm just saying you can't be part of the Greetham family if you do that, you know. Right. That's how I take it. I mean, no, if if that was true, exactly, he would have been waived on Monday, you know. Mm, yeah. He was brought to meet with the media again today. He talks every Wednesday to us, so I don't see any any discipline. He was asked about that, you know, and, you know, as a leader, you know, as a team, you guys do these dumb penalties. He called it dumb today. He said the dumb penalties, you know, that we just can't do that. You know, and it's like, it's good to hear these guys say it same way with Jacoby Brissett saying that was a dumb play by me. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. We like them to own up, but why do you do it? You know, that's <laughs> right. the problem. You don't do it. You might win the game. So mm-hmm. don't do that. Exactly. It's uh, those interceptions are, are, are a bad thing. Please, uh, please stop them. Uh, I think all Browns fans could get behind that. Um, let's go to some of the uh, uh, final questions that we have here uh, as we uh, wrap things up. Um, KB216513 thinks that you have some angst toward Kevin Stefanski. I know that's not true, Fred, um, but uh does the fact that he uh, talks in generality so much, do you think he frustrates the uh, the writing core there uh, in Berea by basically not saying anything that can be latched onto? 
No, I mean, that's how they all are. I mean, yeah, I mean, Freddie Kitchens was about the exception, but that's you know, you if you're if you're trying to play with the media and get everybody to be your friend, you know, you're probably mm -hmm. not going to be that successful. Bill right. Belichick started this all, he was the first coach, you know, we ever really had and he hadn't won squat when he got hired by the Browns and he right. he took the mantra from day one except he took it as you know hey it's me against you guys like we were the enemy right. and it eventually worked for him it's still that's how he's doing it and he used that as a rally cry I don't know how Stefanski is behind the scenes but I know analytics is telling them these young coaches don't give any information out because it could be used against you. Um, so that doesn't bother me. And I don't know where he got the idea of the angst towards Stefanski. I think I've been very positive for him. I would just like, you know, to see on the field, some corrections made, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. instead of this, tell us every week, we got to do better. I got to coach better. We got to do better. We got to put the players in a better position and nothing changes. If, right. if they, if it's the players doing it wrong, put them on the bench. I don't care if it's miles Garrett or John Johnson or who it is bench them. That would right. send a pretty strong signal, but I don't think they, he just, they don't, it's like soft love. There's no tough love, you know, like instill something, you know, take something mm -hmm. away. So you feel like at least show the rest of the team there's consequences. There might be, but I'm not seeing it or hearing it from anybody. You know, if they discipline somebody, it never's coming out, you know, or, or other than Perry and Winfrey, he, you know, he didn't right. practice one day and he, he got inactive. Well, you can do that with a rookie. You're trying to get to grow up quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think you, uh, like all beat writers are, are going to be highly influenced by the results, right? Um, saying things that sound good, uh, is one thing, but you have to back it up with results on the field. And clearly this team has not done that, uh, to date. Uh, and, you know, have continued to struggle. So um, I do think that, you know, those of us of a certain age um, probably remember Belichick's first stint here. And there did seem to be a reaction by the then beat core to Belichick. You know, they were frustrated by him. And that frustration came out, in my opinion, uh, in terms of how they wrote their articles and things that they said on the radio and so on and so forth. But Belichick has become enormously successful. And like you said, a lot of coaches are emulating him these days. This is what you expect from a head coach these days. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the Freddie Kitchens of the world are typically not long for the head coaching role. But that's just me. I, I think we, we may have been um, – especially uh, sensitive to this because of the Bill Belichick uh, experience. Um, let's go. One more question. Uh, this comes from Tysox15. He says, how close do you think they are to cutting bait on Togiai Elliott or Winovich? Well, Winovich on injury reserve. I believe he's out for the season. I believe he was put on there before the season cuts, wasn't he? Um, cause I've heard no talk. I see him walking around the locker room. I'd have to mm. look at my list, but I thought he was a season ending. It must've been a pretty bad hamstring injury. Right, right. Um, but as far as, um, Togi, Elliot, I don't know. I mean, they, they've talked so high. I mean, Garrett said he was going to be the breakout player this year. You've seen one or two plays. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't go everything by these grades that, pro football focus puts out. Right. But I haven't really seen a lot from Togi. Um, I don't study the film like some of our guys do, but obviously the front office is seeing things enough to make some of these moves, you know, to bring in other guys mm -hmm. um, to shore it up. So I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're 
they're they're going to be long suffering, especially with draft picks. I mean, right to this date, there's no draft picks they've permanently parted with. LeCount was the first one ever cut, and they brought him right back to the practice squad. So that means they haven't given up on him. So right, um, and LeCount is apparently not the easiest to coach, and he's still on the practice squad. Togi, I was a fourth round pick, right? Elliot, a third round pick. They're going to be very reluctant to cut those guys uh, anytime soon, I would think. But uh, Winovich, you know, got him for Mac Wilson. Uh, not a lot of investment there, in my opinion. But at any rate, uh, I think that uh, I think that we have exhausted the questions that I marked throughout the show. Uh, apologies to you if uh, we didn't get to your question or I missed it uh, along the way because we are mostly here to, uh, to answer your questions. And uh, just want to say thanks again, Fred, for uh, sharing your time with us and your wisdom and your insight out of uh, Berea. It's really appreciated. And uh, we will hopefully see you all here again next Wednesday following a uh, victory over the Patriots at 7 p.m. Good night, everybody. All right, we'll see you. Thank you.